Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to talk all things not quarterback is fellow contributor Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? So what are the odds of us not talking about quarterbacks this pod? <laughs> I feel like it's fairly low. Actually, instead, I say we exclusively talk about quarterbacks on this episode. <laughs> Because all this quarterback carousel talk has turned more into a quarterback roller coaster. And they've cranked up the speed and tore off or turned off the limiter. I can't exactly remember how it worked. It's been a fairly long time since my carny days. And when the media pulled out the last hazard sign and removed the last safety warning and even got rid of the minimum height requirement, so Kyler and Russell could go play with the big boys. We officially entered NFL QB Carousel Overdrive Edition, where there's lots of smoke and maybe like a small fire here and there. And since accuracy is an afterthought, that some of these ongoing stories are appearing to have a pretty significant impact on the opinions in some front offices well as the Sandy of some players, like our good friend Russell Wilson. And as for 49er football, it seems to have caused a lot of Niner fans to done lose their minds. So if you have any notes, I say just rip them up, and we'll make this at least a semi-quarterback episode. But your uh, objection is noted, and we will proceed under protest.
Well, all that being said, the big news, of course, is that it looks like uh, Matthew Stafford is coming to the NFC West after all, but he's not coming to the 49ers, as it turns out. The uh, Los Angeles Rams sent a couple of draft picks, including two first-rounders. I don't know where they keep finding first-rounders because I, I wasn't aware that they had any. Now, you may be shocked to hear this, and I actually looked it up in the new CBA, and after extensive research, I can confirm that similar to all NFL teams, the Rams are afforded a first-round draft pick every year. They just don't like them and decide to trade them away seven years in a row. They sent two first-rounders and I believe a third-round pick uh, and Jared Goff to the Lions uh, for Matthew Stafford. Uh, So he'll be joining the NFC West. Very interesting to see what that's going to do for their team. Salary cap wise, they're already in kind of a bizarre place, not in a good bizarre place. The strangest thing uh, this offseason is that as of this moment, the 49ers have the most cap space of anybody in the division, which is bizarre because they barely have any. They have like maybe $12 million to spend. And yet that's the most in the NFC West. So that's really strange. But Chris, any thoughts about that? Absolutely. Apparently there's some Pearl Harbor going on. And war has been declared between every NFL team and their starting quarterback. So this year, everyone gets a new one. So which one? Obviously, you'd ask. It doesn't matter. As long as it's not the one you have. You have to hate your own quarterback. Or he has to hate you. And the instructions I was faxed, it didn't say anything about whether hate needs to be mutual. Yeah, And there's nothing weird about me having a fax machine. Like, that's... Totally normal these days. It's all about the confirmation page. It's actually a pretty good slogan for my next fax machine venture. It's sort of like today's version of the read receipt, except you can't turn it off. Okay, I think that's enough riveting fax machine conversation, at least for this segment. Can't promise anything later. And we're talking about quarterbacks and dumb trades. And we certainly have one here between the Lions, and the Los Angeles Rams. And just to be clear, that's one dumb trade to quarterbacks who aren't dumb. They may seem dumb, but shockingly, they're both of above-average intelligence, even with the mouth breathing. Do they do stupid things? That's a totally different question. So far, this has easily been my favorite transaction of 2021. And only because the Rams were stupid enough to do it so that we couldn't do it. Not to say that we ever would do something so dumb, but in all honesty, I don't have a lot of trust in the 49ers front office as to what they're willing to do if they're desperate at the quarterback position. I've never seen so much grass is greener mentality than I have just in the last month and a half. And it's not just a Niner phenomenon, it's happening all over the league. Fans will find something about their current quarterback that they don't like, and then they'll choose a quarterback that doesn't have that deficiency, but may have hundreds more, and decide that this is the guy that their team needs to trade multiple first-round picks for. It's been sort of sad to see 49ers fans jump on it, particularly one year after going to the Super Bowl, and having 2020 pretty much ruined with injuries and turnovers, it feels like the 49er fan base has a very, very short memory. 
And if I was in charge of 49ers marketing, I would get this whole 49ers faithful thing as far away from the team as possible because right now there's nothing faithful about the fans. They're getting rid of their season tickets. And while I'm not, I do not blame anybody who objectively assesses the team's apparent relationship with the local government and does so. They're calling 2021 a failure of a season unless we get player X or player Y. I don't know about you, but I've always viewed the average 49er fan to be above average intelligence, football-wise and otherwise. I've seen a lot of fans just turn their brains off once the season ended, or a lot of the time, halfway through the season. Now, back to Stafford, Rams trade specifically. I think it's very telling that the Rams would give up so much for a player like Stafford. It really demonstrates how desperate McVay is and how small his window is, at least in his head. I thought two years ago when they were going all in that that was the time when they thought that their window was closing. But I guess after last year, they decided that they still have a very, very small window to go on a Super Bowl run. But if that's the case, I'm not sure why they picked the quarterback who's never won a playoff game. This is true. A lot of it doesn't make any sense. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with the current version of Jared Goff? Absolutely not. He can't tie enough late season games together that aren't horrible to win a Super Bowl. And we've seen him choke and choke again in big games and big situations. He could look pretty good for a couple games here and there, but he always reverts back to the Jared Goff that we know and love. And we beat twice last season with a bunch of our backups and practice waters. So in the end, I can understand why McVeigh wanted to go with somebody different, but I would not have chosen Stafford, especially at that price. Stafford just gives you a quarterback who can do some things that Goff doesn't do. And it's always been known as a gunslinger who just never really gets it done and doesn't get it done with a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best wide receivers in the history of the NFL. And that's a little bit troubling. And you can blame it on his offensive line, but lots of teams have bad offensive lines, like the 49ers last year when they went to the Super Bowl. And Matt Stafford has never smelled a Super Bowl. He struggles enough to just win more games than he loses. And he's only done that four times. While Goff's been in the league for four years and all four have been winning seasons. And obviously his defense and his coaching staff has a lot to do with that. But at the same time, I just don't ever remember seeing a trade like this one, at least on paper. You have one team who is giving up their younger, more successful quarterback and obtaining a quarterback who never seems to get it done, who's much older, who's never won a playoff game, who spends the entire second half of the season on the injury list. And even when he does end up starting, often 
leaves the game sometimes in the first drive. And the team that's training for him has an extremely small window and needs to win now, which that quarterback has never done. Again, on paper, this sounds like a horrible deal for the Rams. But now you're telling me that not only do they need to give up their quarterback, but they also need to give up two first-round draft picks and then another third-round draft pick? If you didn't know who these players were, this would look like collusion until you watch Hard Knocks and find out that Goff doesn't know which way the sun rises and sets. And then somehow it all makes sense. But one thing that the cash strap Rams need to realize is they need a decent backup quarterback because he will be playing important snaps this season. It may be known in advance, it may be known at game time, it may be known halfway through the game. But they need somebody better than a second-year experiment to lead the team to victory because they're going to need him to do so. And in no way am I saying that Goff is better than Stafford. I'd much rather have Stafford. I just don't think that Stafford is worth that much more than Goff because Neither of them are really worth very much at all. I think that a lot of fans forget that the only reason why these quarterbacks are available is because the teams that know them best do not want them. And I think the worst thing that you could have said at the beginning of this pod is we're not going to talk about quarterbacks because I'm pretty sure that that's all I've done so far. Yeah. So let's put that quarterback talk on hold and discuss something Far more important, this week's sponsor. Today's episode of the Niner Noise podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, industry leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. And we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. An extra 20% off with free shipping. Just use the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Because to take your grooming experience to the next level, you need the right tools for your family jewels. Manscaped hooked Robert and I up with their entire Perfect Package 3.0 kit, headlined by the new Lawnmower 3.0, as well as a plethora of grooming accoutrements like the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, shaving mats, Manscaped boxers, and much more. For example, the Shed, a premium travel bag for your brand new lawnmower and grooming gear. Although Manscaped products are designed for men, they make great gifts for that special summer in your life. Lackluster Valentine's Day performance? Look what I bought you, honey. And your idols from the Niner Noise podcast recommended it personally. Special occasion? What a great Father's Day gift, Timmy. You keep it up and you might just work your way back into the will. Oh, Grandma, you shouldn't have. No, really, you shouldn't have. My birthday's not until September. But here, I'll... Hold on to it anyway. So head on over to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with code FANSIDED20. Mansided.com, 20% off, free shipping, code FANSIDED20. Now let's get mowing. See, I told you I could speak French. I'm not saying I know how to conjugate verbs, and I don't have a huge French vocabulary, but... I do have somewhat of a vocabulary, and it's not all curse words. It's like 
50% gross words. So what else do you got for me that I can turn into a quarterback conversation? Perhaps a game of import that was recently played? The uh, other bit of news is that the NFL season is officially over. Sad, sad, sad. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, well, let's just say it. They did the thing that the San Francisco 49ers couldn't do last year. Defeated Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9 to in Super Bowl 55. Tom Brady wins number seven. He now has more championships all on his own. Not all on his own, obviously. He didn't win them on his own, but he has more championships uh, singularly than any franchise in the league. Uh, that includes the Pittsburgh Steelers and the uh, Patriots, who have six, and the Niners, of course, have five, along with some other teams that we don't really care about. But, um, <laughs> Chris, what do you think about the game? Any uh, sort of final words regarding the 2020 NFL season? Well, no one's going to argue with you that Brady won that game alone. I mean, the refs might not get rings, but they had no problem giving the Chiefs just a tiny taste of the medicine that they jammed down our throats last Super Bowl. But while you can make a pretty compelling argument that the refs deserved a ring after Super Bowl 54, which I don't necessarily agree with because a better coach Niners team, especially in the fourth quarter, would have won that game. In Super Bowl 55, the refs sort of nudged the Tampa Bay offense forward to the point where Tampa Bay's defense could take over the game. And the fact that we apparently allowed Kansas City to borrow both Mike McGlinchey and Justin School for this game, as a quarterback, you really have to be mentally prepared for that. And it was obvious that Mahomes was not. Everyone knew who the NFL wanted to win this game, but giving the Patrick Mahomes the entire 49er quarterback experience, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But in all honesty, I wasn't one of the many, many 49er fans who were rooting against Kansas City. I'm not a Chiefs hater. I think they're an interesting team to watch. So I watched most of their games. I don't really fault their fans who were fairly toxic after the game last year towards us for some reason, as if we did something to them other than lose to them or not beat them for various reasons. You know, it's like, act like you've been there, but they don't know how to act like you've been there. So I think that, you know, they get a pass this time. I only really start to dislike other teams when... Either their players or their fans get nasty. And when I went to their stadium in 2018 to see Jimmy Terry's ACL, they were not that bad, which overall in opposing stadiums, fans are not that bad. Generally a success. They're probably the second nicest group of fans that I've encountered in an opposing stadium. And the team's obviously full of stars, so I also watch them for fantasy purposes. They seem to have a lot of shares of one particular player on their team, their kicker. So I've been rooting for them to stall on a lot of drives inside the 20. Obviously, the resurgence of interest in the team has to do with their new quarterback. 
And Mahomes is always a very exciting quarterback to watch. Usually he's fun to watch because it's not uncommon for him to just not show up in the first half and then make up for it and lead his team back to victory by being twice as good as anyone else on the field in the second half. I think it's always cute how Kelsey tries to be better than Kittle. Yeah, it's not his fault that there is a George Kittle, but you can't really take that claim to fame being the best tight end in the NFL anymore, even though he's not really a tight end. And he seems like a reasonable enough guy, and he and Kittle seem to have a pretty good relationship, so I have no problems with him. It's probably good in the end for Kittle to have someone to compete with, even though it's not really a direct competition because Kittle's spending so much time blocking defenders into the next week while Kelsey takes the playoff. And I will admit to perhaps slightly overdrafting him a couple times when I was extremely frustrated with players on the board. And it actually worked out for me pretty well. So as long as they can keep their competition and relationship cordial and professional, then I'm all for it. Enjoy watching good players play good football, and he's a good player. One member of the Chiefs who is certainly a good player and is exciting to watch and to root against is Tyreek Hill. What's not to love about him? Well, everything. And I don't really have a problem with the fact that he doesn't realize or can't comprehend or won't accept the fact that he is not the fastest player in the NFL and often not even the fastest player on this team. It's just sort of sad when he keeps repeating it over and over and over because I guess he doesn't understand that that alone won't make it true. I don't know. I guess in some ways it sort of works because whenever there's some new fast player on the scene, the first comparator is always Tyreek Hill. Well, is he faster than Tyreek Hill? It's like, who cares? I mean, first of all, like if you're that fast, then you're just fast. Tyreek Hill is fast. He is fast enough to do whatever he needs to do. He just needs to stop comparing himself to players who are faster than he is. He has to stop saying he's the fastest player in the NFL because when he does, and then it's shown by science that he's not, then the players who are faster than him are, of course, going to call him out. And they're going to call him slow. And he's not slow, but compared to them, he sort of is. Just one of those things where his little man ego would be better off if he just stops talking about it. But you just know that it's not going to happen. You know, come to think of it, he's basically calling our buddies over at Zebra Technologies a bunch of liars. And I don't especially appreciate that because I like those guys. And, well, them's fighting words. But the most significant reason why I am not a Tyreek Hill fan, nor a member of his fan club, is, and I know this might sound controversial, but not the biggest fan of domestic violence or child abuse. Although I guess he wasn't convicted of the latter recanting of statements or something like that. And that happened not too long ago, I think it was just a year or two ago. And of course, no suspension by the NFL. And I don't think he was invited to the combine, but I believe it's because they didn't think that anyone would touch him with a 10-foot pole. He got kicked off his team and 
He went to some like directional school for his final season. Really didn't do very much. But at least you have to give props to the Chiefs fans or the city of Kansas City because they were not happy when the Chiefs decided to select him this early third day, maybe fifth round. And that anger against the team is fairly justified because all the facts were out there and facts were quite, quite ugly. And I'm not going to get into it or anything. This isn't like a serial podcast. My voice is annoying, but not that annoying. Feel free to look it up if you really want to, but it's not the kind of thing that you want affiliated with your football team. But I guess all of that has been forgiven over the years. Thanks to some good play on the field. But I have not forgotten or forgiven because I hold grudges forever because that is healthy. Wouldn't mind him getting into a why don't you found someone your own size type of situation. Although for him, that would be sort of difficult. It's only a matter of time before he gets this clock clean Ronnie Lott style. And who wants to miss that live? I don't want to see that on replay. I mean, I do want to see it on replay like over and over and over. But I want to see it as it happens so I can cheer appropriately. And then tell my grandchildren about it. All right, that's more than enough talking about how exciting the Chiefs were supposed to be on Super Bowl Sunday. And hopefully that was enough straight talk for our Chiefs-friendly, fan-sided family to know that any upcoming negative comments are coming from a place of relative objectivity and not from a 49ers fan who just lost to the Chiefs last year and wants them to feel a similar pain to what we felt after the game in Miami. If anything, it was the other way around. I was more pulling for Kansas City because of my buddy who's a huge Chiefs fan, and I didn't want him to have to go through the same sadness that I went through last year. Mostly I just wanted to watch a good NFL football game, but that was not in the cards. So do finally answer your question as to what I thought about this game and if I had any final words about the end of the 2020 season. Yeah, I got words. Shocker, right? This game was perfect. If after last Super Bowl, you told me that I would be spending 2020 confined to my house and there would be football, but there would be cardboard cutouts in the stands, that the NFL would be switching games to random times and days, like Tuesday, usually based on some false positive on the test, and the rules would change depending on what team it was or what player was out for the game. And the NFL spends the entire season without giving proper guidance because they're too busy, quote-unquote, randomly drug testing one of our wide receivers who isn't even playing week after week to the point that it becomes like a joke until the county decides that we can't play football in our own stadium or even practice like a hundred people in our own practice facility and then mock us for thinking we can actually do so forcing us to play the rest of our games in one of our opponent's stadiums just like the year itself the football season was one big is this really happening right now players opting out of the season not sure we're going to have a season 
not sure if we're going to finish the season. We're not sure if there's going to be playoffs or it could end early or who knows what's going to happen. And then suddenly here we are. It's the Super Bowl. It's like the whole 2020 season was played with a flag thrown at the beginning of the play. And no one was sure if the play was actually going to count or not. And that's why this game was so perfect. Because this surreal of a year with this surreal of a football season deserved this surreal of a Super Bowl. Mostly, I'm just glad that we weren't involved in this game because as an innocent bystander, I went through like a whirlwind of emotions during this game. There were points when it was absolutely unwatchable. I wanted to turn the game off multiple times. And then there were times that I was like glued to the screen and couldn't possibly look away. I was sad, I was angry, I was seriously laughing multiple times. The only thing that I knew is at the end of the game, I would never want to see the game again. And then I've watched it like five times since. (laughs) Although there are times that I thought it was during the game, it wasn't the worst Super Bowl I've ever seen. But it was definitely up there. Brady's last Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53, the punter for MVP. I don't think that's a thing, but I'm now going to call it that forever. That game was really bad. But at least there was a fourth quarter drive that was a game winner. Although it would have been better if you just slept through the first three quarters, wake up for one drive, go back to sleep. The Super Bowl at Levi's, 50, that was definitely a bad one. That's one of the only Super Bowls I've seen where both quarterbacks were absolutely horrible. At least Denver's defense was out of this world good, which it sort of had to be because Peyton forgot how to throw a football. If neither quarterback throws a touchdown in the game, I feel like that's got to rank up there amongst the worst. Yeah. Peyton was better, although still terrible, in his loss two years before that, 48 year after ours against the Seahawks. The game was really over like after the first play when they snapped it over Peyton's head into the end zone for safety. Seattle scored like 10 times in a row, but all or maybe all but one were either on defense or special teams. They had to give the MVP to uh, Malcolm Smith, which basically jump-started his career into whatever it became <laughs> in Oakland and then I guess it was good enough to trick us into not only signing him, but overpaying him too. Well, all three of those rank up there. And I guess the common denominator is the MVP wasn't a quarterback, which should have been the case this year too. But given what that game was sort of marketed as and what it was supposed to represent, we went into it knowing there were only two potential people who could have won the MVP. And you certainly couldn't give it to the other guy. That's part of what made the game so bad, is that this is supposed to be a quarterback duel between the best of the past and the potential for the future. Will Brady hand the torch over, or will he have enough left inside him to put up a fight? But instead, what we got was an old caricature of a quarterback who used to be good, and is slowly fading away. And the supposed up-and-coming quarterback picks the absolute worst time to play 
what I have to imagine is the worst game of his entire life. And normally I would be banging on Andy Reid about this because it was irresponsible to leave him in that position with the way that he was playing. But I understand that you know, he definitely had a lot on his mind. It was outside of that stadium at the time. But at the same time, he probably should have had an assistant coach there who was paying some attention to the game and seeing the travesty that was unfolding before him. Because instead, the Chiefs just totally abandoned the run. And that's when it really got ugly. Because up to that point, he was just bad. He was inaccurate. He just couldn't get the job done. Couldn't complete passes. Through for 69 giggity passing yards. In Kansas City's first six drives. He had a huge problem on third downs. And it wasn't necessarily converting. It was even completing a pass. Like he did not complete a pass on third down until the game was pretty much over and Tampa was playing prevent defense. Over the course of the game, Kansas City had 24 plays inside Tampa Bay's 40-yard line. A lot. They averaged two yards per play. They had eight plays inside the red zone. They had a total of eight yards. Now the Bucks, they had seven plays in the red zone. And they came away with three touchdowns. And they weren't difficult. They could have been completed by any quarterback in the NFL. And the only time that Brady really threw the ball is on that 17-yard touchdown pass to Gronk when he was just wide open in the end zone. Like the only time he ever really like put anything behind the ball. Even outside the red zone, it seemed like Tampa Bay's offensive strategy was to run the ball as much as possible with the running back that the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't even want. And Tampa Bay just picked up off the street. And he wasn't really living in that street. I think he used to live in the street when he was in New Orleans after Katrina. So hopefully he lives in a nice big house or nice condo in Jacksonville now. Fournette was like the star of the game. I mean, he was leading rusher, 89 yards on the ground, and uh, number two receiver, 46 yards on four receptions. That's all it takes to win a Super Bowl. With one more big play touchdown for either Fournette or Gronkowski, and I may have had to give the MVP trophy to someone other than Brady. It really was a dink and dunk game for him. One pass and run by Evans it was just over 30 yards. And otherwise, it's just short passes to Brait and extended handoffs to Antonio Brown and Godwin. There was no need for Kansas City to defend beyond 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. They tried a couple of third down throws. They were deep later in the game, but they're sort of to nobody. They're out there in the middle of the field, and Romo commented that he thought they were just sort of throwaway passes. He was throwing where nobody was. Or maybe Brady was just trying to get to a normal number of air yards in a game. But somehow, Kansas City never picked up on this super simplistic offense that the Bucks were running. It was all short, 
wide open throws. Somehow he only had a 72% completion percentage. I'm not really sure how he threw that many incomplete passes. I guess counting the ones he was just throwing deep just because he wanted to see if he could throw deep. Yeah, and pretty much everything he threw on third down. He just barely managed 200 yards, but did throw three short touchdowns. Two very, very short touchdowns, and then one 17-yarder after a little bit of official assistance. <laughs> and then um, stupidity on Cassidy's part. So he was under seven yards in attempt, which is hashtag not good. But it's probably because his average completed pass traveled only three yards in the air. <laughs> so it was really like a long handoff. And I'm not talking about any of the Debo trickery the Niners run. That was the actual average depth of all of his 21 completed passes in the game. But overall, Alex, Tom Brady, (laughs) Tom Brady, this whole NFL quarterback musical chairs thing is really confusing for me. Alex Smith, I know because we drafted him and he played for us for a while until we gave Kaepernick his job, but he's injured. Then we traded him to the Chiefs for a couple of second rounders and then they traded him to team that doesn't have any name who released him as soon as he recovered from his horrible injury despite the fact that post-injury he remains in only the upper echelon of check down quarterbacks yeah yeah, i got it and he's the really young mobile quarterback tom brady is the old guy he's not mobile at all but has his own cult and he named it after himself. Like, how cool and non-egotistical is that? So that's a little trick I use when I can't tell the difference between the two. A little inside baseball for our non-noticed podcast listeners. Feel free to use that on your own if you want to. But just uh, make sure to credit me appropriately. You guys know how I hate to brag, but just to be fair, around many judicial circles, I've been referred to as litigious, among other things. So I take a certain level of pride in that. You know, not a threat, not a threat, but just giving you guys all the information because I love you guys. I'll be honored if you use my little trick there. Remember, the credit. As for Brady, that was a relatively highlight-free game. Struggle was real for anybody who had to come up with enough game content to show behind just a normal game recap segment. I have to imagine it's a lot of lead up and then five passes by Brady, maybe one four net run. And then you just sprinkle in a lot of Mahomes running around in circles. You gotta find the worst two or three blocks on the opposite line and then show Tampa's biggest, meanest, strongest, angriest, deadliest, that's a lineman, and then you show him be like looking like he's seven foot tall by the angle of the shot, and then if I speed it up like one point five speed, man, I mean, what could Mahomes possibly do? Did everything he could, ran around in so many circles, Just left it on the field, feature goat, and then you quickly go to the 
the greatest incomplete pass in the history of mankind. Exiting the pocket with a 20th straight play. Goes left. Changing direction. He goes right. He's full speed. He's caught from behind by a nose tackle. But yet, he still has the superhuman ability to defy gravity and arm throw it all the way into the end zone to the shortest player on the field, running back and quadruple covered, hits him in the face because he's so short and can't see where the ball is coming from. And then only when you're absolutely sure that you've shown enough fantastic incomplete passes by hashtag new goat. At that time, the audience is probably going to be confused because they know what the final score is. So you're going to have to find best play that Brady made all game. And it's going to take a while. So you find that play or maybe you just like Photoshop a play from a different game in there or something. Ten years ago. <laughs> then you get that and then maybe like a victory formation and a game and then cut to them hugging and exchanging goatish pleasantries. And then you finish it off with a shot of old goat, obviously thinking about nothing but Belichick with the Lombardi in his hand and smile from ear to ear. And suddenly there was no COVID. There was no 2020. Everything is right in the world. The Brady, Super Bowl champion, MVP, Lombardi in his hand. And scene. Outro to commercial and throw up some sweet infographic with a bite-sized Joe Montana and bite-sized Terry Bradshaw looking all sad holding their four trophies while Brady is larger than life. Huge smile on his face while he's swimming in his sea of Lombardies. Well, I guess that's not too difficult, but it's definitely more storytelling than reporting the news. Brady. Certainly not the quarterback that he was before, but he's just as intelligent, probably more so than he was when he was younger. So he did what he had to do. So you can't really fault him for that. But some of the praise that he was receiving was absolutely absurd and unwarranted. It began during the game and continued to the post-game coverage and still going on now. And that's one of the reasons I just stopped watching all those shows that I used to love so much. Only in a very rare instance we would actually learn anything or receive any type of sensible commentary or analysis. All those entertainment-centric fluff sports shows, those guys don't even need to watch the games. I don't even know what they do. If they were smart, they'd just all band together and have one guy watch the game then they'd all just repeat the same thing because it's pretty much like what they do anyway. Some of these rumors based in absolute nothing. Sometimes I know where they're from. How does this get from one random guy making up a story to being reported in my Twitter feed by major news outlets? I understand that positivity sells. I don't think that yelling sells, but that doesn't stop them from all yelling even if they vaguely, if at all, know what they're yelling about. I just can't stand all the groupthink. And frankly, it's just irresponsible by all these journalists. And I don't know, the talking heads, do they really think of themselves as journalists? They probably do. But guys like Michael Irvin, like he can't possibly think of himself as a journalist. Like His business card does not say journalist. There's no way he does. <laughs> I'd actually be pretty surprised 
he had business cards and knew where they were. But if he did, he would say, coked up and yelling about something that I just heard in the bathroom and suddenly feel extremely passionate about, or at least I'm pretending to be. Of course, he's a very extreme example, if not the most extreme example. Many of the most extreme examples have been on display over the last couple of weeks, either pro-Brady or pro-Mahomes somehow. Even with Brady, it's like, give the guy credit where credit's due. He's old, and he ventured far away from New England, far away from his father, Belichick, and he won a Super Bowl, or at least was on the team that won a Super Bowl. Now he can walk confidently away from the game, knowing that it's not 100% the system, that he does play a major role in victory, whether it be by making plays or not making bad plays. And he is the leader in that players believe in him. And sometimes that's the extra something that you need to be able to win the big game. A lot of people are still confused thinking that he played well. And he didn't play well. He just played better than Mahomes. And that wasn't very difficult. Yeah, Brady made the very simple throws and he didn't turn the ball over. I was credited with one fumble, but whether it was his fault or not, I don't know. I mean, center snaps the ball pretty hard. And I'm sure your reaction time must suffer a little bit once you get that far into middle age. So he didn't catch a snap, but he did fall on it. So no harm, no foul. He was third down anyway, so he had a little extra time to rest his arm for the next dump off pass. No turnovers and two. Touchdown passes. Not a lot of yards, but short completions to uncover running backs. And he scored himself a quarterback rating of 125.8. And he's wise enough to know that when the opposing team is killing themselves, then you just stand back and let them do it and just don't turn the ball over. And that's basically what he did. So got the W. I definitely wouldn't say that this was his win. He was more along for the ride and for whatever motivation or player coaching or whatever magic he brings to the table. He did bring Gronk out of retirement. So that's Mm -hmm. something. And I'll be the first to admit that before the season, when I saw the Vegas lines for Super Bowl champion moving so much, depending on whether Brady was going to sign with Tampa Bay or not, I thought it was pretty absurd because Tampa Bay was a team that was not that far away from being successful. But Brady has been in a fairly steady decline ever since the loss to Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. And can tell when you watch him play and you can tell by a lot of the metrics that as expected he's not the same quarterback that he was before and since the inevitable fall from grace is going to come when it comes it's going to come like it did for Manning during his Super Bowl season where 
you're hurting the team more than you're helping the team. And that's just the way that it is. And it seemed like this was probably going to be the year that it was going to happen, but it was not. He took a step forward. He played more like he did the season prior. Now, it was not all smooth sailing. There were certainly some bumps in the road and certainly some questions raised throughout the season. But when I get down to it, he helped his team win the games. And sometimes he did it by actually doing something. And in this case, he did it by not doing something stupid. And it really would have taken a lot of stupid things to make a difference in, say, like, the second quarter. And once Mahomes was broken, he would have to really struggle to lose this game if he tried to. And that was all that it really took. So you can't really blame him for doing what it took to win. And this is just one of countless examples why wins are a quarterback stat. I always think it's funny that people say that wins are not a quarterback stat when they are an official quarterback stat. It's not like a debate. And it does make you cool for saying so, like so many people think it does. It just makes you ignorant to the rules of NFL football. And the real point of this is not to insult other people, it's to insult myself. I'm not really insult myself. But say what you want about his ability or... The ability of his opponents or luck, all these things play a factor. But the most important thing is that he helped his team win a Super Bowl, and I didn't think he was going to. So I will take the L because the game management goat, and I hear a lot of people shortening it to just goat, so do what you want. But he had a little bit more in the tank than I thought that he did. So what happens next year? Should be interesting. Um, definitely not rooting against him. I mean, the way I look at it, more quarterbacks my senior, not senior season specifically, I mean, people that are older than I am. More of those that we can have in the NFL who are winning Super Bowls, more likely it is that they still have a chance. All right, is the coast clear? Got rid of all the Kansas City fans. Matt is not hiding around the corner. All right, let's do this quick before we get fired. So, back to the real talk. This game has nothing to do with Brady. It was all about Mahomes. Mahomes is easily the most valuable player in this game, and not for his own team. He was atrocious. And similar to the way that this was not the worst Super Bowl in Super Bowl history, his performance wasn't the worst quarterback performance in Super Bowl history, but it was the worst quarterback performance of a high-caliber quarterback who has the ability to do things, but just totally falls apart. In that way, it was the worst performance by a quarterback in Super Bowl history. And somehow, nobody has noticed. 5.7 million people watched that game, and I've yet to hear anybody reference that game has a horrible day from Holmes. Or if they do, it's only because, well, you know, he had no blocking. Because his line was swished around or whatever. Or his receivers dropped too many passes. Which Mahomes turned into unnecessary Hail Marys. 
And the problem for the media is this game just destroyed their narrative about Brady, the goat, and Mahomes, the goat in waiting until Brady finally retires. And I really think that so many people in the media have bought into their own thinking that they don't know what to do when something like the Super Bowl happens, where objectively one quarterback plays all right, and yet their quarterback totally falls apart. They're not sure what to do, so they just continue with the narrative that Brady's the GOAT, he's the greatest ever, he's played a great game, and Mahomes just a step off, you know, all that effort, left it all in the field. And maybe once Brady retires, then you'll be able to get six, seven, eight Lombardi trophies. Like, give me a break. Are you really arguing on this broadcast whether Mahomes is going to be able to catch Brady's number of Lombardis when he's just disintegrating into a non-quarterback on the field? You picked the absolute worst time to talk about this. You should be asking, does anyone know a good sports psychologist? Because this guy's going to need one after the game to just be able to come back and play next year. And I can only imagine how much guys that are there at PFF are sweating as they're trying to degrade this game. They're not yet off Team Brady, but they're much more on Team Mahomes. And the stats tell a very distinct story of Brady playing well and Mahomes playing poorly. But the truth is they both played poorer than their stats would apply. And this is what really used to be the magic of PFF, why everyone would subscribe to their services and why everyone would trust what they say is the closest of opinion can come to being fact. It was the day that they were the gospel, but no longer. Instead, they toss away touchdowns and the interceptions and the passer rating and all the run around in circles. And in the end, both players were just average, single point grade between them. And their argument was pressure. All pressure, including all the pressure Mahomes forced upon himself, which was most of it. Believe me, I'm not telling PFF anything they don't already know. When I talk about Mahomes being broken, it's the same way that I talk about Nick Mullins being broken halfway through the Niners' 2020 season. Whereas before, he would hang tough in the pocket, but after a half season of getting pounded by whoever McGlinchey was supposed to be blocking, he sort of had enough of it. And it was probably subconscious, but his body was definitely telling him the danger is coming from the right. The danger is coming from the right. Probably not something that he's noticing, but started drifting and started drifting and started drifting and suddenly he would be like outside of the pocket, outside of Trent Williams. And that's when he was done. He was looking down first whenever he got the ball and looking first at the pass rush and then looking up at the receivers that were well out of their breaks at that time. And guess what? It took Mahomes two quarters to be broken in this game. During the beginning of the third quarter, you could tell that Mahomes had lost confidence in his blockers and his ability to navigate the pocket. So he stopped playing quarterback. Instead of going through his reads like he's supposed to do, he 
you would instead wait for the pass rush to come and then try to avoid it and then run around and then, hey, it's backyard football time where we don't care where the first down marker is and we don't care what down it is. We're throwing every ball into the end zone. We're throwing the ball 20 yards past the first down marker on manageable third downs. I would question whether he even knew what down it was. When a quarterback does this, his problem is compounded because when he stops believing in his blockers, well, they stop blocking for him because there were a few times when he ran himself into a well-blocked player. And, you know, the last thing that a lineman wants is to get a sack allowed on his stat sheet when he was doing the right thing, but his scoreback was just doing whatever he wanted. And it's only so long that a lineman will give you 100% once he knows he's no longer trusted and that what he does on the field has little impact on what happens to the quarterback. So instead, a lot of the offensive linemen would just block for a couple of seconds and then look back at Mahomes to see what Mahomes is doing. And he usually be 15 yards the wrong way, accumulating as many yards as he could behind the line of scrimmage. He almost got to 500. While Mahomes is quick, he's not fast at all. Really like a 4.8, maybe, something like that. So he is no speedster, and he will get run down by the majority of the players on your defense. And that's when he would throw it into double coverage, triple coverage, quadruple coverage, usually in some Hail Mary fashion. He'd sort of throw it as far as he could, and sort of toward a receiver. And then a couple of times, he actually hit the receiver. You know, it's like you're throwing this unnecessary Hail Mary pass, and players are all contorted in the wrong direction and it's like you only need to get like 10 yards like, what are you doing why are you throwing a 40 yard pass this doesn't make any sense I guess all those passes that were somewhat catchable but in an unnecessary fashion were all counted as drops and you know, perfect passes by Mahomes I guess no judgment on why on earth he was running around in the first place in the end Mahomes was only sacked three times and he threw two official interceptions and then another one that they just decided not to count for some reason that seemed to go right after his foot up into another player's hands but this is a game that I could picture Mahomes throwing 10 interceptions in and that's a rare thing that a quarterback would be able and allowed to throw 10 picks in the game and he could have easily done it this game. He had many passes that were just dropped by defenders or bounced off their hands or just went a little bit too far outside of their reach. And he'd just come back in there the next play and do the same thing. And that's the part of the game when I was sad to see this man who had done so much and has been hoisted up by the media so high just to see him crashing to the ground like that and just turning his brain off there's no thinking going into the process he's just trying to throw the ball as far as he can because that's what he does and the crazy thing is the week after that 
I'm on Huddle, the high school coaching app, which allows coaches to watch games during the game and then scout other teams, etc. And a lot of the good players have gone down to the NFL over the last five, ten years. They have, you know, their place in there as well. You can search for them and some of us will have highlights and stuff. So I ran across Mahomes' top five plays of high school. And the craziest thing was every one of those plays were his backyard football plays where he didn't really get a lot of rush. He just run around in circles and then he'd throw a Hail Mary and then there'd be a kid on the other end who would catch it and it'd be a touchdown. Those was top five plays. I'm like, that's not a good play. Like, that's not a good play at all. That's a desperation pass. It would be a good play if there's no time on the clock, but it looked like he was just doing this all the time. So it really felt like he reverted to high school form when he couldn't play the quarterback that he learned to play in maybe in college. I don't know, Cliff Kingsbury, but at least at the NFL level, I mean, he just forgot all that stuff and he reverted back to. Patrick Holmes, the child. And that was just a depressing thing to watch, especially for a guy that I generally like. Now, the positive for Mahomes is that nobody apparently cares. You are still as good as you were the day before, and maybe even better, say certain analysts, if you can call them that. And you're destined to be a Hall of Famer. A couple of people have actually already said that your career at its point now would make you a Hall of Famer. So we should (laughs) get the jacket on you right now. And somehow this horrible loss that is in your hands is a good thing. And I don't get the justification for it because there probably is no justification. It's just People see what they want to see, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, the backlash that I was expecting from this definitely didn't come. And if anything, it's like made your reputation stronger. So I guess good for you because otherwise that would be a really difficult transition back next year after that kind of falling apart in biggest game in the world. But I have a hard time believing that Mahomes will ever have to face what he did in that game. NFL's top 100 plays of the year, two of them were from that game. One was an incomplete pass, which ended the game. And one was an interception, where he just <laughs> threw it right at a defender. I don't know why those are plays of the year are they pro Mahomes plays or anti Mahomes plays or they weren't really good plays by anybody at all certainly not Mahomes I mean it's great that you can run around circles and almost get tackled by a nose tackle and then throw a ball hits him on the face and ends the Super Bowl all unnecessarily but there were a lot of really good plays in the NFL that didn't make the cut because 
you made the cut on that. And then another ball you threw right at a defensive back. But after running around a lot and probably losing your bearings. Um, also, not quite sure why that's good either. But you know what really made me the most upset? Is when Mahomes was doing his post-game interview. And his voice returned to his original Mickey Mouse voice. I was like, what? I really thought he worked hard to get his voice down to a proper octave. When he just became big in Kansas City, I traveled there. It was Patrick Mahomes on every billboard, Patrick Mahomes on every commercial, but he'd never say anything. And I knew why, it's because he sounds like you know, it's <laughs> a very high-pitched voice that doesn't really fit his physical build. And over the last year or so, He's been in lots of commercials, and his voice doesn't sound anything like that. It sounds like he's been working really, really hard on perfecting it and getting into a more appropriate pitch for a large, strong, 25-year-old NFL quarterback. But you know, Patrick, I guess that was all a lie, too. Now I'm sad again, but I'm done with that suit rule. All right, um, so we are going to, um, as I noted, retire uh, the one-up, one-down for the off-season, probably, maybe. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We, we may bring it back for some other thing, but we'll see how it goes uh, in terms of that. But for now, we're going to let it. We're going to you know, let it right off into the, the sunset for a bit. and um, Perhaps because I don't understand it. <laughs> I think that's probably it. We may have to rethink it completely because Chris doesn't understand the rules. Um, one but, you know, up, the team... One- down <laughs> it's one up one down it's very simple uh but we're gonna turn our attention to the sort of what's next uh for the niners and thinking about next season but before we do that uh we came up with our own set of awards the team came up with their own awards and we decided that we are going to um to give give out our own we've we've simplified them they're not named after anybody fancy um so uh we're gonna we're gonna give out five awards uh mvp uh, team MVP, offensive. Maybe we should name her after someone fancy, though. <laughs> well, we don't have time. Uh, team MVP, <laughs> offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, and comeback player of the year. Um, and you're probably, if you're if you're an intelligent and human being and a 49er fan, you can probably pick who these players are, like without a doubt. So, uh, team MVP is going to go to who, Chris? And this is a consensus, by the way. We came up with this together. Fred Warner, because we already talked about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fred Warner, um, without a doubt, uh, the best player on on either side of the ball at any point during the entire season. Um, based, All pro Fred. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a nickname, man. Romo said it. Romo said it. Romo said it. It must be true for sure. All right. He's the team MVP. You know, he held the defense together. He pretty much held the team together (laughs) throughout most of the year. Um, On summers, in some respects, if you're looking at the, the players that that played throughout the year, the fact that they got to six wins is pretty impressive. Um, And Fred Warner was a big part of that. So Um, on to offensive player of the year. So this could have gone in a couple of different directions, but I think the one that we uh, came to a consensus on is is a pretty good uh chris offensive player of the year who's that one left tackle trent williams yes um who's your other option um for cj 
<laughs> it's not CJ. Um, I don't know who would be. <laughs> this is like, look, and this, I don't, this is going to sound like I'm disrespecting our, our good friend, Trent Williams by saying, um, if generally, if your lap, if your, your left tackle is your offensive player of the year, that's not a good sign. Um, <laughs> But the fact that, I mean, we had... It means that your quarterback just didn't get sacked at all. all Yeah, I mean, that's good. Because that happened. That's good, but but it also (laughs) means that none of your skill position players were were stand out enough to to get noted in this particular situation, which I think is pretty good, again, microcosm of the season. Um, You know, we had several good, a lot of good players who performed well. You know, Raheem Mostert did when he was out there. George Kittle did when he was out there. But as you'll note, all of those phrases come with the attachment of when he was out there, which is like the basically the <laughs> the motto of the season, it feels like. Like the when he was there, he was really good. But there you go. Um, all right. Uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, Chris, we're going to get a little repetitive here, but I think it's it's got to be done. Yeah, I think we got to pull up. 49ers maneuver here and <laughs> yep. call again on Fred Warner because other than maybe one other player, there wasn't a lot to choose from. Yeah. Again, uh, so a lot of this is, avail- is availability that they're just, uh, while there were other players who shown not quite as brightly, but uh, who, who showed themselves to be quite capable and were often quite good. They just didn't have the sort of like, being out there almost the entire season thing that Warner had and also being the best player again on, on the team throughout the year uh, certainly helped his case for sure. Um, all right. Next we have rookie of the year. And I think, the, I think this could have gone in a couple of different directions, but um, yeah, really two. <laughs> just, just to be fair, but Since we, um, only had two. <laughs> we really only had two. Did we have more? I suppose we did. Um, no, but yeah, no, two. No. And but <laughs> but uh, we ended up going with uh, one Mr. Brandon Ayuk, um, who uh, had a a solid season. And what did he play? Thirteen games when it was all said and done. Um, yeah, it's like 12, 12 or thirteen, but pretty good. Twelve or thirteen. Man, it would have been yeah, it would have been really nice to see him out there for sixteen. Uh, to see what he could have done uh, with an opportunity, but well, hopefully next year. If you count 16. Or 17. Sorry. 17. It won't. Uh, I hope he plays at least 16 next year. Yes. 17 games. You don't like it? Ugh, I don't even want to talk about that. Um, That's another. That's uh, fine. Uh, it'll be okay. It's just weird. I don't like the unbalanced schedule, I guess, is really the problem. Um. <laughs> it's not like the schedule is balanced anyway. Right. Well, no, I don't mean balanced like <laughs> evenly. Dis- I just mean like an e- even distribution of you have to. They basically have to make up a random rule to figure out who the 17th, <laughs> who your 17th team is. Because there's a nice you know, like you yeah. play your division I mean, two twice. You play one other one other division completely, you know, all the all four teams from there. And then you have other teams from other divisions, depending on where they finished. Um, I don't even know that they've released the rule about um, how they're going to decide what the 17th game is. Although I, th- I saw conjecture that the the Bengals are going to be the 17th team. I don't. I, th- I think I read that somewhere um, for the for the Niners. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's totally fine. You know, let's put it, let's make it like week two. <laughs> they could do it a, a couple different ways. They could just decide based on draft order. Or yeah, I'm sure it'll be something. 
or the order that you finished the previous year, or they could sort of cycle through the remaining three AFC divisions. And yeah, it'll be something the, like that. The team. But one question, of course, is going to be who plays at home and who plays away. And Ray, we just yeah, always yeah. play away. Probably. So we're unless you're it. unless you're the Packers and you always come to, to California. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we digress. Um, and our last award is going to be Comeback Player of the Year. And Comeback Player of the Year goes to one Mr. Jason Verrett. So oh, if these yeah. if these awards sound a lot like the Niners awards, it's because... Well, frankly, it was just that, that kind of year, um, <laughs> as we've said. Um, Except for Armstead. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, Armstead. Um, so, yeah, Jason Verrett, uh, awesome to to see him have the opportunity to revitalize his career. I wish it had been under different circumstances for him. I'm, I'm really hoping that he didn't play himself out of a possibility of, of coming back, but we'll get more into that. Um, so... We're going to now move from the 2020 season and like the Niners, it is now our job, our opportunity to to move on to next year. Uh, like I've said already a couple of times, we're going to have all of the rest of the spring and, and most of the summer to talk about specifics about what we think the team should do, what the team is actually actually does, you know, who we think they should draft, who they actually draft, including a whole lot of talk about quarterbacks. Well, speaking of quarterbacks. I think one major thing that the that the Niners need to think about, and obviously the quarterback room is going to be in flux one way or the other. We we have four technically on the roster. Three of them are definitely leaving, it seems like. Uh, Mullins, Rosen, more than likely. We'll see um, what happens with that and, and Bethard. But Mullins and Bethard, the ship has sailed. And I think um, one thing that the, that the team needs to pay attention to, no matter what they end up doing with Garoppolo, I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't want to get into that now. Um, they're going to keep him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. I'm sure. Um, there's no time to talk about <laughs> this. <off season. laughs> Maybe good. 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 If this season has taught us anything is that the quality of the backup needs to be improved. And so what I want to do to, to sort of wrap up is to we're not going to go through all of the potential free agent quarterbacks that might be out there. It seems likely that they're going to bring in a veteran of some kind. And so I want to throw a couple of names at you and I don't want you to. This is the definite part where no planning has gone into it all. Um, and I don't want you to get into a lot of detail. I just want you to tell me. Yes, you would think of him as an option, and we're going to assume that this person would be willing to come in to the team as a low cost. They expect themselves to be the backup type of player. All right. Okay. So all you're going to do is, is tell me yes or no. Okay. So you're telling me I just don't prepare and just answer yes or no. Nope. You don't have to. I, I need no rationale. Just <laughs> good because you aren't getting any. <laughs> that's good. Okay. So right. um, give it to me. Give it to me. Right. Give it to me. I'm going to skip a bunch of names because some of these are ridiculous. Um, they usually are. That's why they're available. <laughs> that's true. And can you imagine Garoppolo at the top of this list? Uh, he would definitely be near the top of the list. That's for sure. Um, James Winston. Yes. I think so. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mike Glennon. No, too tall. <laughs> uh, Cam Newton. Oh, geez. they torture. <laughs> I'll go with yes. I think I agree with that, especially if he's willing to take the type of contract that the Patriots gave him last year. If 
Shannon can do it with RG3. He can do it with anybody. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, well, <laughs> RG3 no, is an option. You know? No. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, Andy Dalton. Oh, below no, the Dalton no. line, you're done. <laughs> um, Tyra Taylor. Oh, please. For the love of God, please. <laughs> okay. Yes, 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 think, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I think, I, I think, God I think I'd be good with that as well. Pick him um, up immediately. Give him whatever he wants. <laughs> not, not really. No, 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 no. Like a couple million, oh, wow. a couple not million dollars. Wants, but yeah, dude. within within reason for sure. Fitz magic. Fitz magic's just he's such a pain. <laughs> I don't think I could look at him that <laughs> I, long with I that beard sticking out of his helmet. I'm like, the, how do you do that? Peter Griffin. <laughs> With the birds in his oh, yeah, beard yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like eating all this food. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so he's just so annoying because he's so good or so bad. And you know that he's going to cause some type of quarterback controversy. It doesn't matter yeah. what your quarterback does. So although it would be probably this would be a really, really good move if Shanahan showed more confidence in Grappolo. But since he doesn't, then no. Okay. That's that's fair. He's also 39 years old. So there's, there's that to keep in mind. Um, Dude, you went to Harvard. That's, this is true. Um, <laughs> oh, and he and you check the little thing. Um, well, let me talk like kicks, kicks and giggles. Here we go. Ready for this one? I don't know if I am. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I actually would take him, but I think he's, he's staying in Chicago. Too much money. Yeah. I think yeah. he's staying in Chicago. I think I can be able to get him for, I think he, yeah, I think he proved himself. Um, it's not horrible. No, but I, and I, sometimes he would, he would be interesting. He's still only 27 too. So kind of an interesting number there. Um, Jacoby for set. Still overpriced. Not no. good. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, the good news is he just made a lot of money in Indianapolis to basically be, to do nothing. Um, so there's that. I but. didn't see that job pop up on my <laughs> LinkedIn or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I can hold a clipboard like a boss. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, for sure. And that that pretty much does it in, in terms of that. I'm sure some of these names will will go. So that's over. it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And other, the other option is to just keep Rosen around, um, which I don't think is is a terrible idea either. Do you think I'm being too hard on Michael Lennon for being this call? <laughs> no, <laughs> his neck. I don't think I am either. very long. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So yeah, no one player I was surprised he didn't mention was Joe Flacco. Uh, he was on the list, and I chose to uh, ignore him. You don't want him? No. Yeah, I don't really want him either. No, he's way way past it. If he even was at it, no, he was never again with. He was at it. He was at it for one oh. playoff series many moons ago that we will not speak of. Yes, and that is it. And then I laugh at all of my Baltimore Ravens fan friends as. He put them in the worst situation ever by forcing them into a monster contract that they had to accept. It was great. Like he's he's gonna ruin mm-hmm. you. Enjoy. Good times. Enjoy that ring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> so one last question before we wrap up. I saw a recent mock draft from uh, our good friends at PFF. Your good friends at PFF, I should say. Um, and the draft had uh, the Niners trading up to get Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields uh, trading up with the Atlanta Falcons from uh, number 12 to number four to grab Fields. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on that as we wrap up this episode of the podcast? Okay. 12 to four. 
what did they think was going to be the, the cor- quarterback? I don't order? think they mentioned compensation, if that's what you're looking for. No, I was like, what, what did they think the quarterback order was going to be? Um, I believe it was Lawrence and then Wilson went to the Jets at two, if I oh, remember correctly. Ooh, really? Yeah. Uh, the, the more I watch of him, I sort of get the Walter football cocky thing because he does play a little cocky. <laughs> yeah, he, he plays a little cocky. He's, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, these no-look passes and stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? So, but that's speaking of Wilson. But yeah, but it's very likely he'll go earlier than expected because he has a rocket arm and he's been flying up draft boards. I know that Niner Empire is a pretty big fan. I'm still undecided on him as much as I would like to get myself a Wilson jersey. I just don't know how much of his draft stock rise has been hype. All four of the top guys are pretty mobile. Not quite as mobile, but they're all in the same area. I think he's on maybe the lower end of the four compared to a guy like Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, Lawrence runs pretty well for a guy of his of his size. And, you know, I think... They're all mobile mover kind of guys. I think Justin Fields is maybe not the least amount, but no, like, I think like Trey Lance, the guy from North Coast State, is also a a, a, a mover, a, a mobile guy as well. So I think it's just kind of the thing these days. So yeah, I think we're going to be getting a lot more of that future until these guys get injured and then we learn a lesson. So all right, so we'll just keep four. That's a la Jimmy Johnson's draft chart, 1,800 points. We're 12, that's 1,200 points. My advanced level Towson math tells me that's 600 point difference. Um, mm-hmm. Round two, we're, we're actually not drafting at 12, correct? Correct, we wouldn't be drafting at 12. Well, I mean, not, or not at like 44 either, right? Because they alternate. And how many teams are we tied with? I don't know. I don't know. I think three or four. Something like that. So we'd probably be drafting more like 42, 43. So that's like 470, 480. That's not enough. And we don't have a third rounder. Although we can trade our... Actually, we could probably trade a first, a second, and a third we got for Sala to move up. And I would... Mm-hmm. Absolutely not do it. <laughs> yeah, and I think we were just you know, discussing earlier that another potential option would be a first this year, and then a first next year, and maybe even a little bit more. And and to to me, with a team that is so close to winning a Super Bowl just a year ago, and you know, obviously they're having to go through some free agency issues, which at least should have been planned for since they went on a buying spree when Niners' current front office first came over in 2017. So this should all be planned for, and we should have the cap space, and we should have the personnel in place to continue a run that we were making two years ago that was sort of put on hold thanks to... Injury Fest 2020. So I think that we have enough pieces in place, and I think 
that Garoppolo is one of those pieces. And I don't think that taking a crap shoot at a quarterback, even though he played like a season and a half of good football at Ohio State before failing to take the starting job from like the Bills' current emergency quarterback <laughs> in Georgia, which is sort of weird to me. And um, yeah, and you, I never remember his name, Jake from, right? Yeah. Because he's from Jake from State Farm because <laughs> he is wearing khakis. All the time. Because he doesn't play. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. So yeah, Jake from Georgia and State Farm and the Bills, either practice squad or emergency quarterback. If you not, and, and I understand that they play well that year and it was going to be very difficult for him to overtake him immediately, but the fact that he played like one full season at Ohio State and then he played another what was looking like an even better season that was cut off. And So the, the short answer is that you wouldn't do it. Is that what you're getting, getting at? <laughs> I was at least trying to give some context so that yeah. everyone didn't think I was just a Jimmy lover with no reason to be yeah. so because... Well, not really, but yeah, time plan. But to me, it's too risky. You're locking yourself in at a high contract, and you don't have the freedom of trading Garoppolo for a player that you can use. And the Niners have a lot of needs that they need to fill, and a lot of problems they need to fix, whether they realize it or not. And in the grand scheme of problems, Garoppolo isn't a problem. <laughs> so let's address the pressing concerns and then after that then if it doesn't work out for some reason then we can get into a quarterback but again i'm all fine with and we'll talk about this a lot in the future but i'm fine with trapping someone late or you know whatever wait until next year you know yeah 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 but we have so many needs right now and they need to be addressed immediately and you're not going to throw a rookie quarterback behind our offensive line if you don't want him to become the next alex smith you know who takes years (laughs) to figure out how to play you know, and it's not his fault, but that's what happens when you throw someone behind a crappy offensive line. And, you know, we should know by now not to do that. And I think Shanahan knows not to do that. A la Archie 3. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out real. But if I was going to trade up for one of these post-Lawrence tier quarterbacks in the top half of the first round, I believe that I would go with Fields. Yeah. Seems like the safest of the players and as long as you don't throw them into action year one being the season and know that you need to groom him before he can be a successful NFL quarterback then he's probably the one that I would aim for out of the second three quarterbacks yeah I mean it would certainly be interesting I I, I would fully expect them to draft a quarterback at some point especially if they end up keeping most of those draft picks that they have um and it may even be relatively early like some somebody that they think might have a chance of uh putting some pressure on their on their starter or at least somebody who they could see coming on down the road as a potential starter in the next couple of years but i i I don't i don't know um i i don't don't uh pretend to know um but we we shall see it's going to be an interesting off season um and we've uh, got you kicked off now with uh, lots of thoughts. We'll get more into this in details. We start to know more, but uh, for now, I think 
that's probably enough from us. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening uh, to another episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. Be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. Uh, So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.